0: Lord, my heart.
1: Come on up, bud. If you would, uh, while the, they're singing, kind of their last verse or getting towards the end of the song, if you would come on up, so we can go through one and get some many songs in tonight.
0: I'll be singing 484. You are my all in all. 484, four, You are my all in all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are my, strength, I you're my all.
2: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. My watch is showing 930. Sometimes I feel guilty Stopping the fellowship the way that it was. But I also know the main reason why you are all gathered here. Which is uh, for us to worship our Lord. So let's get started this morning. A couple of things I want to talk about before we um, open us up or open us up in prayer. The first thing I want to mention, and I forget this and I cannot forget this. Uh, There's a friendship register um, on your pew, and if you don't mind, would you please pass that down, and would you fill that out? And specifically, if you are a visitor of ours, we want you to fill that out for us, so we're asking you to do that at some point. Uh, Right now would be a great time to do that. Second thing I want to mention before we get started is this is, um, as y'all know, we are trying to put in new deacons. And we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago and we said that we would give a couple of weeks for those of you who might wanna make comments to do that. Well, this is the, the kind of the deadline for that. So if you have any comments you wanna make, uh, please put your, your comments in the box that's in the foyer. I'm really excited about what, where we're going and the opportunities that we wanna take hold of this year. And this is one way for us to make sure we do that. So please uh, give us your feedback. And then I want to tell you who we have listed here. Um, Usually these are pretty accurate, but sometimes they change. Of course, uh, Jordan will be leading us in singing this morning. We have Stephen Hodgin, but I don't see him setting up front. Normally he is, so somebody else may be doing our opening prayer. Excited about Brother Tim. Going to be reading our scriptures this morning. He is a new member. I'm assuming he will be uh, doing that for us. Brother Ken will be leading our sermon thoughts, Bo will do our Lord's Supper, and then the announcements will be by Brother Todd, English. In John chapter four, when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, they were having a discussion about worship. And he says, God is a spirit, and those that worship him We'll worship him in spirit and in truth and that's exactly what we're going to do today so if you'll let me allow me to lead us in prayer we'll start doing that now bow your heads please dear Heavenly father we love you so much and we lift you up and we are here to worship you this morning And so Father, our prayer is that every single thing we do will be with the right attitude, the right heart, the right spirit, and that we'll do it according to your will because we love you and we want to honor you and we want to glorify you this morning. So help us as we do that and be with each individual that's leading us in those particular acts of worship to help us do that. But Father, help us clear our minds and our hearts because we want to give our all to you at this time. It's in Christ's name, amen.
1: First song this morning will be Faith is the Victory.
3: Once upon again, Father, we, as your humble servants, have approached our throne of grace, truth, and mercy. And Father, we come before Thee this morning with our heads bowed. Father, our hearts humble unto Thee, and giving You the thanks, Father, for Your many, many blessings of life that You have so richly stored upon us. Thank Thee, Father, for this golden opportunity that has been granted to us this morning to come out and to sing songs of praise to thee and to hear another portion of thy holy and divine word proclaimed. Father, we ask unto thee right now, if it be thy will, that you would just bless each and every one, Father God, that are represented here this morning under the sound of thy voice. Bless us, Father God, with the blessings that you see that we're standing in the need of both physical and spiritual. And Father, we ask right now, if it be thy will, that you would be with our manservant, Brother Ken, as he get ready to come to us shortly to break to us the bread of life. Give him a ready recollection, Father, the things that he has prepared to present to us this morning. Father God, we ask that you would have him to present it in a way that it would be pleasing and acceptable unto Thee. But most of all, Father God, that he would present it in a way that we all may be able to understand. And Father, we ask that you would continue to bless the congregation here. Bless our endeavor, Father, to go out and to teach thy word to a dying and lost world, that much good would come from it, Father God, that some lost soul may walk out of darkness into that great and marvelous light and ask that great and noble question, what must I do to be saved? And Father, we ask it now that Once again, that you would just go with us into the furtherance of the service here this morning. Hope, trust, and pray. Father, the things that we do and the things that we say be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. Father, we ask that you would just uh, bless our uh, elders, Father, as they watch over the flock. We ask you to be with the deacons, the ministers, the teachers, and all of those that make up the congregation. Just be with us all, Father. Help us to be about your business, Father. Help us to uh, be an example, Father, for those that we come in contact with, wherever we may be, that we represent you well in all that we do and all that we say. And, Father, we ask it now that as we get ready, Father, to, uh, come, to the, come down to the end of this old life journey, this life cannot afford us a home any longer. We hope, trust, and pray that we can hear thee say, well done, thy good and thy faithful servants. And Father, we ask all these and many blessings, and in Christ's name we do pray, and amen.
1: <clears throat> Invitation song will be God is so good. The song before the lesson we'll sing will be we'll work till Jesus comes. If you would stand and let's sing out as we sing this together. And i rest for you.
3: james chapter 2 verses 14 through 17. new king james version what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not Give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead.
4: Thanks, Tim. Tim is one of our newest members. So he's done something. Is he a keeper? Okay, Tim, you can stay. Thank you so much for reading our text today. Hey, I want to make you aware of something. I don't know if you ever noticed bulletin boards, but we've had a lot of our Lads to leaders working on bulletin boards around the building. So get a chance, just take a tour and Look at some of the extraordinary talent that is on display. But one of those things is being done by the specialist herself, D. Worley. And that is the bulletin board that's just on the left as you go into the foyer here on this left side. When you go there, there is a massive bulletin board there. And it has on it the globe with hands extended to it. You know, like what we have for our slide every week related to our theme for the year, grasping the opportunity. Well, what to do with a massive bulletin board like that with a globe on it and the grasping and all that? Oh, no, what do we do? Well, here's what we're going to do with it. It's going to become our missions board. And the intention is to populate that board with information related to all of our mission points and how to contact missionaries and workers who are connected with that mission point. The idea probably will start with emails. I think that's pretty simple because it doesn't cost anything to send an email. And then later as we get the information, we'll post some addresses um, and we'll just, we'll just encourage these people that we are involved with all over the world preaching the gospel. Does that sound good? Yeah. Oh, we're so excited. Can't wait to get there and look at that bulletin board. Okay. If you have suggestions about it, just... Let me or Dean know and uh, we'll listen to it patiently and nod ahead this way probably and then decide whether we'll do it or not. <laughs> but that's the idea. Mission Bulletin Board right there in front with information so that you can grasp the opportunity An address, send a note, somebody encourage them. Okay, I have, I have a couple of prayer requests for today. These are serious and if you want to jot these names down so that you can be praying earnestly for them because they have some conditions that are going to be addressed quickly. And we just we want great success in the two that I'm going to share with you this morning. The first is this. Betty Bramlett now, this is Allison Gross's mother. She's going to be 87 this summer. She is a delightful lady, if you've ever met her. She's a faithful member of the Nettleton Church of Christ. She recently was diagnosed with malignant melanoma. Very serious. She is scheduled for surgery this Friday, February 23rd. Please Pray earnestly to the Father on her behalf. We're going to do that here in a few minutes. But you remember her in your private prayers, okay? And then also, this, this is a friend of our daughter, Casey. Uh, Andrew Dunaway. He's a member of the Madison Church in Madison, Alabama. He's 28 years old, has a young family, little kids, he was recently diagnosed with colon cancer. He never thought ever, not at this age, that he would have such a diagnosis. So he was not really not really sensitive to the symptoms until it became very pronounced. So when they finally did try to discover the source of the problem, not only did they determine it was colon cancer, but it had already begun to spread into his lymph nodes and at least some of it had attached itself to his aorta, which is an inoperable condition. So beginning tomorrow, he's going to be going through some pretty extensive chemotherapy treatments. He's already had some surgery and probably facing additional surgery in the future. So. We want to remember these two very urgently as they're facing some very serious treatments. Let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the blessing of this fellowship, for this family in particular. Thank you for the time that we've entered into in worship of you. And Father, as we just review just a few things, we're aware of your presence with us and of all the things that you put in our hands to do. I pray, Lord, that uh, just as I, I tried to point out, we'll be more sensitive to our mission points and get involved with that. Not, not just from the sense of sending money, but personally involved in encouraging these folks, knowing that we're helping to bear some of their burden. Lord, we love so many people. This family here has extended family. And we're concerned about everyone, not not just our physical family members, our friends. And Lord, we hear from time to time of serious cases of illness. And we're praying, Lord, that you will hear our urgent pleas for your attention to these concerns. We pray your blessings on Sister Betty, Bramlett, as she has surgery Friday. And Lord, we pray that this surgery is going to be sufficient in dealing with her condition. But Father, whatever the case is, we trust you for the outcome. And we just, we put it all in your hands. There's nothing we can do. We're trusting you. We are in your hands. We pray for Andrew who's also facing tough treatments and possibly more surgery. It's a long time of discomfort. We pray for him. We pray for his young family. And again, Lord, these these are things out of our hands, but we wouldn't want them anywhere else but in your hands. You're the creator of all things. You make old things new. You you can do as you choose to do. And we are your subjects. So Lord, just, just as regards our own will about these things, our will is that these folks will be healed. But in all things, we subject ourselves to your determination for you are all wise, all knowing, all loving. We know that what you do will be right so, Lord, no matter the outcome, we thank you for it. Lord, please be with us today as we are challenged to have the kind of faith that is active, that does something. Help us not just to talk a good game, to sound right. Father, Help us to be right, to do the right things. Lord, I pray for myself today as I try to communicate those thoughts. Help me, Lord, to to say these things in a way that people can understand even if I stumble over it. And I pray your word will prevail through all of that. I pray for those who hear your words that not only they'll hear it, not only they'll understand it, they will act on it. Lord, make us incredible empowered servants of yours. In Jesus name. Amen. James, the book of James is a it is a terrific book dealing with faith itself. Some don't See that initially they talk about its practical nature but you know i hope you do you know that the practical part of it is the implementing of ourselves by faith into the actions in this world we are acting motivated driven by our faith to accomplish the things that god has set forth and so James is, James is a terrific study in that. But I'm, I'm going to guess that if I were to ask you, what is faith? You would probably come off with something like, well, you know, Ken, faith is belief. And that would be partly true. Faith is belief. I say, oh, I believe. In God, that'd be a key belief. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Sure, all those things are belief and that would be faith, faith in God and faith in Jesus as son of God. But you know, even James says in James chapter two, verse 19, that even the demons believe and tremble. So it isn't just belief. Really, the way I would size it up, at least initially, would be something like this, that faith is belief that is coupled with commitment. And here's what I mean by commitment. It's commitment to a couple of things, really. First of all, I am committed to the fact that God knows what he is doing. So God's will will be my will. I am, I am set to follow whatever it is that God says is the right way. I'm set to do that. That's my mindset. But I'm also committed not just to set my mind that, that that's it, that God knows what's best, but that so much as is my ability to do it, and we are well-equipped to do a lot of things, so much as is my ability to do it, I will do it. I will do what God's will is. That's my commitment. So... Yeah, I do believe in God. I do believe that Jesus is the son of God, but I'm going to step beyond that and I'm going to be committed because I know that God knows what he's doing. And then I'm going to do within the framework of that will whatever it is that he is expecting me to do. I'll give an example of that. I I think... I think this encapsulates both the definition there and then also an illustration. It's found in Hebrews 11, verse 6, and then the illustration is right there next to it in verse 7. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, listen to this, must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those Who diligently seek him okay there's what I just told you I believe he is God I believe that but I also believe that he will reward he will participate with those who are diligently seeking him in the knowledge that he's God so we are partners in this together illustration by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. What kind of faith? Well, the kind of faith that says, yeah, I believe God, but more than that, I am willing to build an ark. Nobody's ever built an ark out here where there is no water, but I'm going to build that ark because I believe what God has said and God knows what he is doing. If God says that there's going to be a universal flood, then there's going to be a universal flood. If he says that I should build this ocean going vessel according to certain specifics and made in a certain way, then that's what I'm going to do. And when I accomplish that, I have every confidence in the world that God's going to save us through that because that's what he said he's going to do. In that operation of faith, he condemned the world because aside from his wife, his three sons and their wives, everybody else rejected the message. Nobody else had that kind of faith. There might have been some people who believed in God. I don't know. Unrighteousness had prevailed. There's none righteous but Noah in this handful, but still... There are not that many generations removed from God who created the world by just speaking and has interacted with the patriarchs up until now. So there's a knowledge of God, but they weren't acting on that. And because of it, they didn't enter that ark. But faith is not just an academic exercise, right? Right? I don't just talk about faith or go around just defining it or trying to be specific in my definition to include a lot of things and be able to fill out a test. It's not academic in that sense. What James is trying to tell us in this book, as we're going to highlight today, is that faith, faith is a a practice. It is a practical thing related to the life that you are living It's not just academic. It isn't just that we can define the word, but we have to be able to live our faith. In fact, without even defining the word, our life ought to represent what faith is. He told us right here in this text, by illustration and then by definite words, that if faith doesn't have action, or if it isn't acting in obedience to something that God has expressly commanded and laid out there as a duty or a responsibility for us, if, if I don't act in faith, act in faith, then He says, that faith that you have, it's dead. In James chapter 2 and verse 26, he says it this way. He says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Actually, a couple of verses earlier, he said, so then we see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now, what he's saying is a man's justified by works of faith and not just by the faith itself. It isn't just my declaration. It might be a declaration, but I'm following that with action. You can see in the life that I'm living that I'm really committed. I not only believe in God, I not only believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but By virtue of the fact in believing that, it results in action of some type on my part. Now, this morning, I want to share with you at least three different areas in which faith is active. It's going to be active in our times of trial difficulty. It's going to be active in our daily religion our faith and practice. And it's going to be very active in those times when we are helping other people. So let's break down those handful of things and see what it is that faith can do. Faith must be active in coping with our external trials. Now I'm thinking about Two verses that you find in the opening of this book, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy when you fall into, he uses the word various, you fall into various trials. The word various there literally means multicolored. (laughs) So when you fall into those multicolored trials, what on earth does that mean? Well, the idea of it being multicolored simply is trying to suggest to us that there isn't any one kind of trial. They come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes our trials come in the form of ridicule. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 4, Peter says, well, there may be times when people speak evil of you. You know, when people speak evil of you, you don't you take that personally? It makes you feel bad. It's like, what did I, you know, what did I do wrong here? I, I take that personally and that can be a very significant trial that can undermine my self-esteem. A, a, a little bit later in this very same chapter in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, he said, let no one suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So don't, don't take it personally. It might be a personal attack on you, but he says, keep in mind that you're not being charged with real crimes here. It isn't even that you have sinned and you deserve to be mistreated this way. They speak evil of you because you're doing the right thing. But I'll just tell you that when you are suffering persecution for righteousness sake, it's still suffering. I still feel the pressure of that, the trial of it, the testing. Sometimes... It comes as a result of sickness or some other kind of disaster in our life. And well, all you have to do is go to the book of Job. <laughs> I mean, that, that man suffered every kind of external affliction from his own sickness, even to the death of his children, to all of his property, to the disgust of his friends. I mean, he, he even had his own wife turn against him who was herself in the midst of of suffering, and I, I think about him at the trial of his faith, and yet through all of that, despite all the pressure to do otherwise and to give Satan a victory, Lot or uh, Job just simply would not turn on God. He would not become unfaithful to God. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed. Be the name of the Lord. Wow. I'm going to share with you something that is a trial that probably you haven't even thought about. And in fact, I'm going to go so far as to say it is this particular trial that does the most damage to us. And that is a trial of prosperity. God had done everything for his people. He had promised that he was going to give them a land of their own. He had described it as a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Not only was he promising it to the generation that was to take it and secure it and to live in it, But he had been talking about it for generations. He had spoken of it to their fathers, and now it was becoming a reality. Finally, after 40 years in the wilderness, they were about to enter into the greatest time of prosperity ever. But in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 20, God says, yeah, you know, I I did that for you. I've given you this land that's flowing with milk and honey. But what's going to happen here is eventually you are going to, you're going to turn to these other gods and you are going to serve them. Well, you know how that went. It's exactly what happened. <laughs> In the time of prosperity, they got fat and happy. They forgot God, and they sure did. They turned to those foreign gods, and they served them. In the book of Hosea, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, same scenario, really. Blessings, God's been good to you. But listen to this three-word word Cry of God. They forgot me. God's done everything for you. God has blessed you beyond your imagination. And what do you do? You don't turn in faithfulness and remain faithful and endure struggles in. In spite of this prosperity, you don't hang on to God. He said, they forgot me. There are the multicolored trials, and the testing of that faith, he says, will produce patience. So your faith is tested, but the ultimate outcome of a tested, tried faith will be patience. Patience, in one definition, is the idea of staying power. My faith is tried. The result is staying power. Let's back that up a minute. Where have I been? I said I had faith, and I've gone through a terrible trial, difficulty, time of struggling. But I had staying power, and the idea is I'm staying in my faith. I'm hanging on to my faith like Job did. I'm staying there, staying power. That's patience. Oh, you grew in your patience. Okay, we move on from that oftentimes, but let's back up. Staying power. I'm wanting to stay in faith. Well, here's the thing, a lot of times when you're going through a trial, that particular trial may not be something that is stressing a weakness that you have. It may be something that hits you head on, that you are well prepared for, and so you put all of your effort in in, in knowledge, you're equipped for this, you deal with it, success, but... What happens is Satan got your attention with something that he knew you could handle, but he's just gonna, he's gonna try you in regard to that, and you're giving your attention there, and you're, you're fighting, and you're gonna have a great outcome. God is gonna be so proud of me. But in the back door, when God had all of your attention focused on this one thing, he solicited your weakness. And you acted on that. I cannot tell you the numberless examples of folks who were at the top of their game, who in thinking that they had achieved the uttermost, succumbed to the weakness of a desire that had been latent within them. Satan took advantage. Lord, help me that as I go through this trying of my faith, that I have staying power, that I can stay in faith, so that whether he is hitting me with a frontal attack or he is trying to take advantage of something that has remained dormant for a long time, Lord, help me to stay with you. It can happen in subtle ways. Sometimes it's it's overt. It's right out there. Right, First um, John chapter three verse four. Sin is lawlessness. I commit law. I broke the law. I, I I I did it. I know I did it, and I deserve the punishment. It's simple. We wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Easy to see. Sometimes it's not so easy. Like what James describes. James chapter four verse nineteen. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So whether it is, I know I shouldn't do it, but I do it anyway, or I know I should do it, but I refuse to do it, boy, there's a fine line right there. I just, I just want to have staying power. I want to stay in faith. I just, want to, I just want to do the right thing. I want to avoid the things that God has said are not good for me. I, please, I just want to stay there. Okay, that could be it. I'm just thankful that faith is something since since in our referencing faith we know it's more than just belief but that it's the extension of that now I know the will of God and I'm going to strive to do the will of God that's why when he does talk about temptation actual temptation wherein I've been through a trial, I should have been successful, I should have been bringing glory to God, but I have faltered. Now that I've faltered, do I blame God for that? Did He test me and then led me to sin? No, He was testing me in order to glorify Himself. What happened was that latent sin became triggered, and now I have pursued sin. I have brought this on me. James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. There it is. Faith. Faith can help me on that front. Help me to be true to myself is this something that is against God, then I've got to stop it right now. Dead in its tracks. Before sin begins to fester and it produces sin, and then that sin, unrepented of, leads to death. Faith has has got to be active in coping with our external trials. It's got to be. Faith has also got to be active in our daily religion. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father, God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their troubles and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You and I by faith have got to intensely think about who God is. When I talk about the word religion, it is that thing that we were talking about a moment ago, the faith, the faith that is my belief and my understanding of God and my commitment to doing what God says, but it's that faith plus the practice itself, the going through, the doing of the thing. So I've got to have my mind first intensely wrapped around a knowledge of God. So who is God? Well... I can, I can wrap it up a little bit in where we were, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, where he says, well, God is several things. First of all, God is a giver of every good and perfect gift. So I know that the good things that are coming, that, that, that's from God. God is going to shower me, provide me with all things that are good. He's going to equip me for the good. And I know that God doesn't change. So once I've made this commitment to him, I'm not going to be headed in one direction only to find out that he's moved somewhere. You know, his, he does not create doubt in us by, by creating a shadow of changing. He doesn't turn in a whim in one direction or another. God is always going to be the same. He is unchanging. So, I take confidence in that he's going to be good to me and I can trust him. He's always going to be the same. He's, he's unchanging. Uh, But then there's that idea that he's created in us something special. So uh, the sense that I'm responsible with my own level of purpose, I, I have something invested in me that I'm supposed to do. So Let's look at this in whole. God's the great giver. I'm the recipient of great gifts. God is confident. He's never going to change. And so I give wholeheartedly to that. I'm, I'm totally in. Lord, use me. Right? Having made that absolute commitment, then I also need to make a commitment, wrap my mind around the idea that not only am I going to trust God for it, but what comes with God is His Word. So I I don't have to wonder what it is that He's expecting of me, anything like that. I can know exactly uh, what God is expecting of us. In terms of His Word... He's expecting me that, yeah, I'm going to search it, but that word's going to make its impact on me. And then motivated out of that impact on me, I'm going to act. He says that with regard to that word, we're going to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. And he uses an interesting illustration in that. He describes this man who's looking into a mirror. He observes himself, and then he says he goes away, and then he forgets what kind of man he was. In other words, a lot of folks will look in the mirror, as it were, of God's Word, and they will see exactly what it is God wants them to do or what God wants them to be. They know exactly what it is. In fact, oftentimes we walk around with a bunch of guilt because we know what God expected. We're just not living up to it. So there we are. We're looking in the mirror of God's word and we're challenged by it We say, yeah, that's what I should do. And then it's like we set the Bible down. We put it back on its shelf in its its normal location. And then we walk away from it and we forget everything that we had committed to do. It's like I have the heart to do it. But how can I forget that? Because it's not become a priority for me. I'm only given lip service. He says what should happen is that I look into the perfect law of liberty. When I look into that law, when it it manifests itself in me, then I'm going to change. I'm going to see what's necessary to change, and then I'm going to change it. If I will make a commitment to God to know who He is as that perfect giver, perfect equipper, the expectations that He has of me, if I will empower myself with not just knowledge, but also the commitment to do what it is that I find to do, then I will be, by an active faith, able... Able to have a daily sense of religion in the sense of belief and the practice of it. The final thing that faith is going to help me do is to deal with other people, to help people who struggle. He said, What does it profit, brethren, if someone says, I have faith? It does not have works. Will faith save him? And then he uses this illustration. He says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay, so let's think about the downtrodden here for a minute. And we'll use the illustration that he used. Brother or sister, naked, destitute of daily food. They're naked, they don't have proper clothing, they don't have anything to eat. They've come to you, brother, sister, in this desperate need. I need help. (laughs) You say... Wow, you know, you should have faith like I have. You, you should have, let's let's just let's pray about it. Let's have faith. Let's pray about it, and then depart in peace. Uh, you could have translated that by saying, "God be with you." You know, God be with you, and send them on their way. Now, James asks us, "What actually did you do?" And his conclusion is, you didn't do anything. You you did not do anything. Now here's why. Took that person and I pushed them out my door and I said, God bless you. Be warmed and filled. How how did I expect that God was going to answer that prayer? How do I expect that God is going to take care of them? He's going to warm them and fill them. Am I expecting that, I don't know, he's going to send down manna from heaven? Is that what I'm thinking? Do I think that he's going to break a rock over there and some water's going to come pouring out of it? Is that what I'm thinking? James says that's not how this works. How this works is you you are set apart as a person of active faith. You are God's man. You are God's woman. And so here is this brother or sister who is naked and destitute of daily food. They really need your help. God has sent them to you. You are in this sense, God's manifestation of manna. You are in this sense, God's cracking open that rock and providing the water. God is expecting that we are going to act by faith in Him to take care of that need that exists. What about orphans and widows? You saw that a moment ago in verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion. Now I want to stop right there for a second. This is what is pure. This is unadulterated. This doesn't have any added ingredients to it. This is about as raw as religion gets. Uh, Belief and practice. This is as raw as it gets. Belief and practice. My belief coupled with my practice. He says pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. It's this. To visit the orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, let's go in reverse. I'm pretty sure the world doesn't care. The world would be just happy enough if there are a few more people not on the doles so that it can have more for itself. But that isn't how we think. So we're not going to be captured by worldly thought. We're not going to, we're not going to be clamoring for more. We're thinking, how can I serve today? Oh, well, he says, here's a great way to do that. Visit orphans and widows in their trouble. The word visit there doesn't mean, hey, let's get a bus together or a load and let's go visit some orphans and widows. You know, we'll have a weekly visit or a monthly or maybe one year. We'll have one yearly shindig where we go visit some and we'll feel like we... That's not what this is talking about. The word visit literally means to look to or to look after. The sense of that is if there are orphans and widows in affliction, in trouble, I'm going to go see to it. And the seeing to it, is that I'm going to do something about it. That's the exercise of my faith. I am exercising my faith in helping others. When I see to the downtrodden, I become their manna and their water. When I see to and I visit those who are orphans and widows, those who can't help themselves, in other words, I have been empowered by God through faith in Him. I know that He gives good gifts. He will make it possible. And then I'm just going to become the conduit through which God's good graces and mercy is going to be extended to a people who are hurting, who can't help themselves. God's going to manifest Himself through my faith. It seems like this is Oh, I'm going to call it a Christian reflex. It's a Christian reflex. What I mean by that is, you've been to the doctor. I remember back many years ago when I went to the doctor, this is for my wife to laugh about, that they had this little instrument, it looks like a, a, a little bitty tomahawk. <laughs> and you sit like on the edge of the table or whatever, and they take that little tomahawk and they... Hit you here in this tendon, and then your leg's supposed to go doink, <laughs> like that. Uh, if, I, if I took a little ball and I tossed it to you and you were unaware for a second, you might oh be startled a little bit and grab it. Bang! When that happened just now, you might have had some kind of reaction. An involuntary, unexpected, you didn't prepare for it, it just happened reaction to something that's startling. That's a reflex. He's describing for us a Christian reflex. And that is, God has blessed us. So when a need presents itself, I do not say, good luck. I hope, I hope everything's okay. I'll pray for you. What I'm going to do is, I'm just going to naturally, just like that little tomahawk hit my knee... I'm just going to respond. I'm going to act. Is that biblical? Right here in James chapter 5, verse 13. James says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. The idea there is your natural response to suffering would be, well, I'm immediately going to go to my father. That would be a reflex. I'm happy. What would I naturally do? Sing praises to God. That's just, that's a reflex, my Christian reflex. So over there in Romans 12, verse 15, when he says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep, he's not saying that we necessarily have to have a joy or a sorrow program in the church. What he's saying is, you know, when people are hurting, we all ought to be hurting with them. When people are rejoicing, we ought to be rejoicing with them. It's just our natural reflex. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. If any member of the body is suffering, we all suffer with it. If a member of the body is honored, we all rejoice with it. Natural reflex. Involuntary. It's just what we do because... Well, we're people of faith. That's just how we are. Galatians uh, 6 verse 2 says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I'm wondering, talking about this active faith, and yeah, I saw there in that second point, Ken, you said it was uh, active faith. that, That will make for, you know, the daily religion. So are you saying faithful daily 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 we walk by faith not by sight it's our life what we what we were talking about today that's describing our life yeah we believe in God sure Yeah, of course, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Great, but that entails a certain response from me because that is so, because God is a great giver of gifts, because Jesus died for me on the cross, because I respond with action. So it's not just a day or two of it. Faith is our life. And that kind of faith that we're talking about, it, it isn't something you say, well, Ken, well, if I if I take care of these people, or if I, I show these things like you've been, I mean, that's gonna make me vulnerable. No, it's not. First John chapter 5, verse 4. This kind of faith is what overcomes the world, this kind of faith that gives us the victory. This is not something that makes us vulnerable. This is the power of God manifested in us by faith. Where do I get that? Well, we touched on it, but you know, Romans 10, 17, that that kind of faith is going to come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have that today? Is that what's empowering your walk? If it is, we just, we rejoice in it. But if that is lacking in you, it's not because you haven't studied it enough. It's not because you haven't been presented with enough opportunities. You've studied it enough. You've had plenty of opportunities. You've just not let that soak down in. When you look at the mirror, it doesn't speak to you. Today, listen to the Word of God. React to it and let it change your life forever. Maybe you need to obey the gospel today. Maybe that's what the Word of God is presented to you. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You do have that level of belief. Does it motivate you to act, to confess your faith, to repent of your sin, to be buried in water, to have your sins washed away, rise in newness of life? Let that become real in you, activate you. Maybe you're already a child of God. You've been activated, but man, you've, You you know about that frontal assault, but you succumb to the sin on the the backside. Would you let God have His way with you again? Would you resist those things to the extent that you don't let anything rule in your life except Jesus? Maybe there's just something else we need to pray about. Today's today's a great day for us to join together as a family and to lift you up. Anybody who needs to respond for any reason at all, Now is your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing?
1: to the this time. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. As we heard that song just a few moments ago, the beautiful body of Christ, let us remember it's because of our sins, because of our shortcomings that he had to die on the tree. You bow with me as we bless the loaf. Dear loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so humbled to be able to approach your throne this morning, Father. Lord, as we remember that sacrifice of Jesus on that tree, we are so sorry that he had to do that because of our shortcomings. Lord, as we partake of this loaf, which represents that precious body, we pray so that we would do so and we'll be well pleased in your sight. Christ's name, Amen. Bow with me. Father, as we continue this remembrance, we remember that blood that was shed on the cross, Father. Lord, we are so thankful for your willingness to send your son, for his willingness to die for us, Lord. Lord, as we partake of this, this cup that represents that blood, we pray, so, pray that we'll do so in a way to be pleasing in your sight, Father. In Christ's name.
5: Heavenly Father, we come together at this time and we take advantage of this opportunity to give back. Father, we're so thankful when we receive, but Father, we're also so thankful when we give. We thank you for its result, and Father, we. it is our prayer that we be the stewards, as we should be, of what. You give us, for we know that everything we have comes from Thee. May we receive it thankfully, and may we share it thankfully, and may we always look out for our fellow Christians and human beings as You would have us do. Father, thank You so much. Through Your Son Jesus, we pray. Amen.
6: Good morning. Aren't you glad you were here today? If you are visiting with us um, please hang around and let us get to know you better. If you're looking for a church home uh, I think you've found one. Okay. Uh, Today we had 338 in attendance and just a couple of announcements that are not in the bulletin. Gerald Scott passed away Friday morning. Visitation will be from 12 to 3 today with a funeral at three at Macmillan Funeral Home. This is Jimmy Deaton's brother-in-law. Also, as previously noted, please pray for Betty Bramlett as she um, undergoes surgery this week, and Andrew Dunaway, which is friends of Ken and Anita at the Madison Church of Christ. He will start his chemo treatments tomorrow. He's a young father and husband with two small children. Also, one of Anita's former students was involved in a car wreck. Um, Please keep her in your prayers. Uh, We do know from the wreck that her mother did pass away. So please keep that family in your prayers. And we're not releasing the name of the family until we're for sure what's going on. But please keep them in your prayers. Landmark Nursing Home Devotional is today at 4 o'clock. Last to leaders today, Banner. Please pick up your banner kit in the foyer and follow the directions in the bag. Please see D. Worley if you have any questions. Song leading and songs of praise will meet immediately following morning worship until 12. Guys will go to the little chapel and the girls will be in classroom 209. Debates at 345 today in the TAC and Bible Bowl at 4 in the TAC. CYC's final payment is due today and anyone going to CYC needs to meet tonight following classes in the front of the auditorium. And they also need individually wrapped desserts for CYC. Um, If there are no other announcements, please stand as we dismiss in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for the many blessings of this life. Lord, we thank you that you are the great physician, that you know all the hurts, you know all the pains, but you also know all the cures. Lord, and, and we're glad that you are God and we are not. Lord, I ask that you be with the church here and allow us to be your hands and go out and do thy will this week and let us return at an appointed hour to worship more about you. Our most kind and gracious heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.